This reading of Dr. John Ferguson Smith's First World War Diary is sponsored by Objective Analysis Limited of Oxford. It is read by his grandson, Rory MacLeod. The sound engineer is his great-grandson, Henry MacLeod. Part 4 November the 24th, 1914 Not nearly so cold today, and still fair. Work goes on much as usual. I have a strenuous day, not finishing till after 10pm. I am relieved to hear from the Major that this is not his usual, but merely a spurt in order to get things properly started. I write to J.E.P. asking for some apparatus. The Major burns midnight oil, translating swatches from a ponderous German textbook, which has to be returned to the Royal College of Physicians Library in 14 days. I rather fancy the librarian would be annoyed if he knew that the tome in question had been taken to France. November 25th. Weather still milder. Great excitement was caused by the Colonel announcing that we may each be given five days' leave to go to England. It almost seems too good to be true. One is supposed to have some definite reason. I must excogitate a really class one, which will leave the authorities no chance of refusing. I receive more socks and a muffler from home. The muffler is out of place in Wimereux, but is likely to be of great value if I am sent to the front. I hear also from Cumming, whose mother has died. I write a reply. November 26th. I am still keeping very long hours in the lab. I have no proper attendant, only a patient, who happens to have a very rudimentary knowledge of the work. The Major and I have to make most of our media ourselves. I get a letter from Richards, who seems to be enjoying life at the front. He has not been hit so far, though he has had one or two escapes. He records the bringing down of a German aeroplane. There is news of the capture of 15,000 Germans by Russians. Coming on top of the smashing up of Zeebrugge by the British fleet... It leaves one feeling that matters are not going so badly for us. November 27th. The weather is very showery. I am somewhat perturbed by news of the blowing up of Bulwark. This is undoubtedly a very nasty knock, though almost certainly not the work of the enemy. The Major and I have a narrow escape from serious injury. Rullard's anaerobic apparatus explodes. It consists, inter alia, of a bell jar on a slab, the air being enclosed by a stiff barrier round the edges. Hydrogen gas is passed in through one tap, driving out the contained air through another. If the outcoming gas burns with a blue flame, the process is complete. 
On this occasion, the flame ran in through the tap, and the resulting explosion rivaled a Tauber bomb. The apparatus was blown to powder, but no personal damage was sustained. The whole building is alarmed, and people rush in from all sides to learn what has happened. November 28th. It is the same story as regards work. I have now passed eight days without so much as a walk for relaxation. Today we enter into possession of the Victoria Hotel, which gives us another 100 beds. It is expected to be ready for occupation tomorrow. Major Lane is going home on sick leave. I hear very unofficially that he is not likely to return. November 29th. The stationary hospital is shoving any amount of work onto the major and self. The idea was that one of their men should come and work with us, but so far he hasn't put in an appearance. I hear that leave is not likely to be allowed after all. This is rather disappointing. Both of us knock off at 3.30pm today, being Sunday. I walk into Boulogne and back. I have tea and a hot bath there but there are no shops open which sell the goods I require. This is a great bore, as my next visit may well not recur for some time. I hear that our whole army is resting, some twenty miles behind the firing line. Is it gathering itself together for a great effort to hurl the Germans back across the Rhine? Or does it merely anticipate another very heavy assault later in the year? Certainly very few wounded are coming in, comparatively speaking, of course. November 30th. I wait all day, with belt, buttons, etc. polished, in expectation of a visit from the king. It is raining cats and dogs, so his majesty did not come out from Boulogne. There is no further news concerning leave. The reports of a gigantic Russian victory seem exaggerated. December the 1st. It is a much finer day, but still windy. I hear that the king visited number 13, to the intense satisfaction of the patients. Guinea pigs and white rats arrive, so that we are able to contemplate a distinct advance in our research. I hear that the ration allowance is actually to be paid. I hear that one of our Red Cross orderlies, known here as F. Taylor, has been discovered to be a German, Siegfried Schneider, and removed under arrest to England. December the 2nd. I am orderly officer today, for the first time for several weeks. I missed my previous turn, owing to being sanitary officer for a short period. Work proceeds on usual lines. There are still very few wounded coming in, so that the rumour that our men are in reserve at present seems correct. I see a paragraph in the Daily Mail about the spy. December the 3rd. Major Parsons of Number 11 reports for duty with us, but is almost immediately detailed to command a field ambulance. Major Harrison and self do a post-mortem in a bathing box by the light of a hurricane lantern. These are distinctly gruesome proceedings. 
I send an orderly for a packing needle to sew up afterwards. He returns about half an hour later with the statement that he must have a signed requisition. This is a fair sample of the difficulties met with. December 4th. It is a very stormy day. There are vague rumours afloat of impending changes in the hospital. Major Lane is appointed to Number 11 General. The windows of the lab let in rain, which floods the floor. I hear that several windows were blown in on the top floor. I hear from J.E.P., who has been appointed pathologist to the Samaritan, a part-time job. December the 5th. The weather is moderating a little, but still very blowy. I do another post-mortem in the bathing box. There are still few or no wounded coming in. Many of the cases of frostbite are said to resemble arsenical neuritis, and the suspicion is voiced regarding arsenic-cured skin coats served out to the army. I think this is rather far-fetched. December 6th. It is a fine morning, but rainy later on. Sunday, but impossible to knock off work early, owing to pressure. I do another post-mortem. I discover Major Harrison to be a Glasgow man. He graduated in 1897. I get a letter from JMC. I see an order prohibiting photography. I had previously thought of getting a camera across. I hear that a billeting allowance as well as ration allowance is to be paid. December 7th. A very ordinary day. The name of the new major is Biggums. He is an Edinburgh man. Things are still very quiet in the hospital, but Major Harrison and Self are still keeping hard at it. I notice that the billeting allowance can be collected in Boulogne. December 8th. A very wet day. I hear that Paris, Thomas, Compton and Jones have orders to hold themselves in readiness to proceed to a clearing hospital near the front. I wish I were included, as it is very likely they will remain up, even if only sent originally for temporary work. December 9th. The senior officers are negotiating for the hire of a house to form a mess. I hope they succeed, as if Paris goes off, I shall be left alone in my glory at the café. Also, Morris, Hodges, Bolton, Baker and Thomas have taken a flat, so I shall not be able to get company by moving into the terrace. There is no further news of the impending departure of Thomas and Co. Paris has a letter from Richards, who is relieving an artillery officer at the front for a week, and describes the enemy's shrapnel fire. December the 10th. A new attendant makes his bow in the lab. I hope he is more efficient than the corporal who is doing the work at present. The latter is really a patient. I get a temporary arrangement of my wishes, whereby the centrifuge and microscope lamps can be put in commission. I hear news of the sinking of the German Pacific Squadron off the Falkland Islands. I remember seeing several of the vessels in the Shanghai River. December 11th. A Canadian captain comes up to help in the lab. Major Harrison sends him to take blood cultures in the stationary hospital. 
Both of us are much annoyed at the action of Sir Bertrand Dawson in sending specimens to Sir Almroth Wright's lab at number 13. He sends a report to the CEO couched in very strong words and hints at resignation unless an apology is forthcoming. I thoroughly agree with Major H, but I rather hope that the matter is cleared up without too much unpleasantness. December the 12th. Slightly better weather, but showery. There is further talk of taking a house for a mess, but so far nothing has eventuated. Major H and self shut up shop for three hours this afternoon and walk into Boulogne. I receive their 90 francs, the subsistence allowance for November. December 13th. It is a very wild and wet day again. I get a parcel and letter from Uncle G. The Canadian officer, Leitler by name, is doing noble work in the shape of collecting bloods for culture from the 14 stationery. I do an anaesthetic for Captain Clark, and so am kept until 10pm.